Hello there and welcome to the latest episode in the Evidence-Based Education podcast. This time round, EBE's Director of Education, Stuart Keim, heads to Durham University to speak to Ray Land about threshold concepts, troublesome knowledge and liminality. We hope you find this episode useful and interesting. And if you do, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review in iTunes or your usual podcast provider. Ray, thanks ever so much for taking the time today to talk to us about your work and threshold concepts specifically. So first off, what is this idea of of threshold concepts? What are they? Well, we argue that in in all disciplines, in all subject areas, there are certain uh, concepts which learners will encounter at some point which have particular characteristics. Mm. The the first thing is we we say they, they basically have a a transformative function um, and what we mean by that is once they're understood they, they they change the learner and they do that by kind of taking them it, it's as if they're going through a portal or a threshold into a new space if you like a new intellectual space mm-hmm. and also a new often emotional space or a- affective space so they have this transformative effect but they they do that or they seem to do that from our evidence by having what we call an in- integrative effect there's something new to be integrated, but the threshold concept seems a bit like a, a jigsaw piece, that sometimes when you put one jigsaw piece in place, the other pieces around it then seem to make sense. Don't they? They, they pull the other pieces into a kind of new configuration. And threshold concepts seem to do that. So they have this kind of integrating effect where they reconfigure things. That then um, makes... The world seemed different in, in the way that the jigsaw looks different. Or, you know, that's the roof of a house or something. You know, something comes in, something comes into view that wasn't in view uh, before. It becomes accessible, takes you into this new space. But they seem to have um, other um, effects as, as well. They often require you to change personally, um, and, and we, we. I mean, this is part of the, the, the transformation. But they they kind of reconstitute you. I mean, one op- obvious example would be something like uh, evolution. If you understand evolution fully, then um, basically the world looks very different and you have to let go of the way you saw the world before. Now that often means that these threshold concepts are troublesome. Not universally for everyone, but for a lot of people, they're often the points where students have some kind of uh, difficulty learning them. Principally, well, we'll say a little bit about troublesomeness in a moment, but principally because they have to let go of the view they had before. Uh, and none of us really like doing that because that brings in uncertainty. But they, they, they do change you. In that sense, you are what you know uh, in that regard. And this change seems to be irreversible in that, um, you know, if you understand evolution, you you don't often say, well, what was that stuff we did three weeks ago that radically changed all my views and beliefs, you know, I've forgotten. Um it has changed you in that sense. It's a bit like a, a ratchet. And um, it also, finally, um, changes the way you talk as well. There's always a discursive shift. When, when new knowledge is encountered like that, it always brings a new way of talking, a new language, a new discourse. And you often see students 
using the new discourse in a kind of distanced way, you know, almost like inverted commas. Like, mm, right. um, I mean, we, eventually they will kind of stop doing that and they will internalise it. Um, so a threshold concept will, in physics will be something like gravity, whereas a centre of gravity is, a, is, is an important concept, it's a key concept, something students in a lot of subjects need to know about, it doesn't have this transformative effect that gravity itself has. Um, and physicists would say if a student starts to understand gravity, then it, that takes them into a very new space where a lot of other things come into view. Um, in economics, something like opportunity cost would be a, a threshold concept they would encounter early on. If they understand opportunity cost and that economics is about choice influence decisions, that business of choice influencing your decision stays with you then forever and, and it then brings other economic concepts into view. Yeah. So you've said a little bit about troublesome knowledge already but it'd be really useful to flesh this out. Yes uh, very much so. It, we um, picked the term up from uh, a professor at Harvard University called David Perkins who has written about troublesome knowledge as he calls it. Uh, and troublesome knowledge, um, it sounds a bit negative, but in our book it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a positive thing. It has a positive function in that knowledge needs to be troublesome uh, in order to um, basically unsettle a student out of their current prevailing view uh, so that they, you know, they, they recognise that that, is, that no longer holds and that they basically have to um, acquire a new way of seeing and a new way of observing. So th this notion of troublesome knowledge is a good thing <laughs> in our book. Um, on the other hand, it is, it is troublesomeness. Now, um, troublesome knowledge is the kind of knowledge which is hard to assimilate. Very often when we encounter something new, we say, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's just another version of this, or that's a bit like that. And you, we, well, we, we all try to assimilate or accommodate something new in, in our existing meaning frame because you know we all like to preserve a kind of stable view you know we, we like relative security and certainty troublesome knowledge tends to be the kind of knowledge you can't do that with um, you can't easily say yeah it's like that or it's like that what what you do have to do actually is let go of the meaning frame itself and realize actually the way I'm looking at this uh, really needs to change altogether so for example, in literary study, if you encounter deconstruction as a literary theory, you begin to realise, actually, this is undermining a lot of my previous views about literature, and I'm going to have to come at this quite differently. Now, that um, is uncomfortable. It can be exciting, but it can be uh, uncomfortable. Uh, or a different example, say, in uh, computer programming, object-oriented programming, a lot of students... You know, straight-A students, when they encounter that, they find it very difficult to know how to deal with it and to practice it and, and, and so on. So, um, so this troublesomeness, is, 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 it's hard to assimilate and accommodate. Why knowledge is troublesome is very interesting, and, and Perkins has written about this. Um, he says um, knowledge can be just be very conceptually difficult. Um, so something in mathematics like infinity or a theory of a limit... Um, is, is, is difficult. Uh, it can be counterintuitive. Uh, in mathematics, students learn, you know, maths is the basis of everything, uh, and then at a certain point, they learn that, uh, okay, we're going to use imaginary number now, you know. Well, they don't exist. No, they don't, but we're going to use them anyway. Oh, now this is very different, you know, and 
that won't fit in the existing frame. So you've got to really start reconceptualizing what mathematics might be in, in that sense. So it can be counterintuitive. It can be what Perkins calls inert, uh, knowledge sitting in the mind's attic. Uh, it's not used enough, or students often don't have an opportunity to practice it. So they learn something in a theoretical way, in a classroom situation, but it doesn't make sense to them because they haven't had an opportunity uh, to practice. And that can happen you know, from primary school to doctoral level students who are told uh, about ways of analysing and data and so on. But it's very often when they actually start doing the analysis, then it starts to, uh, to make sense. You know, they, they're now moving into that, that new space. It can be what Perkins calls alien knowledge. It's just weird, you know, like the imaginary numbers is, is a bit like that, it's a bit weird. Um, some things are, are rather strange uh, to, to come at. Um, and sometimes it can be the language itself, which is um, very difficult. You know, the conventions um, of a particular subject require you to um, become proficient in, in a new discourse and so on, and that, um, that, that can be problematic. So it's all, when a student is stuck, um, it's often worth tracking back and thinking what, what might be the source of the troublesomeness here. But Perkins writes um, uh, well on that. Probably the person who used that term first was um, uh, another American educator, Dewey, who was writing in the 20s and 30s. And he, he said um, one of the most, most comfortable places in learning is a mental rut already made. And he said it takes troublesome work to get out of that right you know we all like our kind of grooves and familiarity and and very often learners are what we call defended learners they, they can often see where this is going or they, they can see that it is actually going to mess up their existing way of seeing things and they just don't want to go there so that that can be another source of troublesomeness as well but having said that um we we take the view that Troublesome knowledge usually requires a, a kind of rupture in knowing, uh, which can be uh, uncomfortable, uh, and it, it tends to provoke what we call uh, uh, a state of liminality. So having talked a little bit about the idea of threshold concepts and then introduced troublesome knowledge, you've now mentioned liminality. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, an example of this troublesome language you were talking about <laughs> in the new discourse. Yes, we, um, we borrowed this term or stole this term from uh, anthropology, social anthropology, uh, where it's, it's used very often to um, indicate a transformative state, a, a space of transformation. Uh, interestingly, the word limen in Latin, L-I-M-E-N, means uh, a threshold. So liminality is literally the state of being in a threshold. Um, and we like this idea because we feel that, as anthropologists talk about rites of passage, you know, people moving, say, from boyhood to becoming a, a warrior, or in, in modern terms, uh, something like adolescence will be seen as a liminal state where the person is moving from a state of childhood to a state of adulthood. Um, again, a troublesome state. And again, requiring a letting go of a, of a previous uh, way of seeing the world and a previous way of being in that sense uh, and taking on a new one. What you often get in this transformative period um, is a kind of oscillation. You know, sometimes you behave more like a child and sometimes you behave a bit like an adult. Bereavement would be another example of that where you're moving 
status and sometimes you feel you're through it and then other times you feel no no I'm not now we use that idea in the threshold concepts work because uh, a lot of the evidence we have from talking with students and teachers suggests that it it feels like that when students are encountering this troublesome knowledge and these threshold concepts they feel they're in a space where their their previous learning um, they feel they have they're having to let go of that because it no longer um, seems adequate to cope with what they're having to cope with but they haven't quite yet grasped um, what it is they should be learning they haven't integrated and fully understood and internalized this new way of thinking and practicing that seems to be required of them you know they haven't moved into that new space yet so it you know it's a bit like being in a in a portal and you're, you're trying to find out where you're going and that state that what we call this liminal state which troublesome knowledge and threshold concepts seem to provoke again not a hundred percent for every student but for a lot of students um it, it can be the place where you get stuck you know uh, and you can't see you can't see the way forward some students describe it as being like in a tunnel um, and they can't see any light at, at the end of it uh, and again it can happen at any point in in a in a in someone's learning journey from school years to uh, doctoral studies, a lot of PhD students say, "Oh, this, you know, this is a really long um, liminal state in that regard." But it is the space where this letting go and um, and, and reconfiguring uh, takes place. It can take a long time, as we've said, and it isn't always um, fully resolved. In that, students often say taking a course or a module will get some of what they're expected but maybe not all of it their knowledge might be partial but then of course they moved on into another course so they, they may still be in a bit of a liminal state and then and then they're moving in, into yet another one and they're having more troublesome knowledge uh, presented to them so a teacher will say well you know you did economics last year and we did and we covered the, you know this a and b and c and Students are thinking, well, yeah, well, well we, we were there, but um, yeah. you know, we're kind of still working on it. So it, it can be problematic. But I think as teachers, we, we kind of recognise that. We, we, we know that if we keep them moving, these things very often will uh, crystallise and will become clear uh, as they go on. But it, but it can be a difficult state and it can be a trying state. And in that liminal state, students need what we call a, a holding environment in that sense. They need to be supported through it uh, and they need to be given um, you know en encouragement to, to kind of hang in there uh, and, and to um, and not to get frustrated and, and, and angry it, it's a space where there's a lot of feeling very often um, there's a lot of, e of emotion com often comes into that uh, liminal period and it can take the form of anger you know um, it can take the form of despair you know you know just this is impossible kind of thing uh it can take the f you know, all, all kinds of, of um uh, feelings about you know i'm inadequate i can't do this i'm you know distressed and exhausted you know and, and and so on um at the same time it can be quite for some students quite exhilarating wow this is oh you know, this is a kind of bit of a roller coaster and it can be both you know it can be challenging and exciting but at the same time um problematic in, in that sense but it's uh, it's something that students often need support and help with an issue is however they may not 
want you to know that they're in that mental state. And if you're mm. assessing their work, they might think, oh, you, I don't want you to know I don't get this because you might think I'm thick, you know. Um, but they might be more willing to speak to other students about it in that sense. But this, this issue of you know, how you find out, how you listen for a student's understanding or misunderstanding, um, you know, why don't they get it? Have they got certain misconceptions? Are there still things they won't let go of? Um, uh, it's, it's, it's quite tricky for teachers to try and um, find out exactly where they are in, in this process. Um, and um, you know, that's something that teachers uh, need to think about. You know, where does the student seem to be on this journey to the, to the new understanding? Yeah. Okay, so we've gone through this story of threshold concepts and troublesome knowledge and liminality. And as a former teacher, and also personally for me as a learner, I've both seen and experienced those moments of real difficulty. And I'm sure everyone listening to this will have done so too. But what I want to ask next is when a teacher finds themselves in, in, in one of those difficult, troublesome positions, what kind of strategies and approaches can they adopt to try and find their way through those liminal spaces? Yes, yeah, you're right. How, how, how will they cope with that? I think the first thing would be for them to to recognise, and it's not always easy for them to do this, but to recognise actually this is probably happening to most people. Now, that, now they won't know that because the others may not be, be telling them, but threshold concepts um, usually are troublesome. They are these key transformative points in a curriculum where you you are being required to think and practice in new ways. So it, it is going to be challenging. So it's not surprising that this will um, cause some uh, discomfort or troublesomeness and, uh, and reformulation, which is not, not easy. So, you know, think of it from that perspective, that this is part of the deal. This is part of learning. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not easy. And this is what higher learning is about. It's also subsequently why it's rewarding because it will move you on in that sense. So the first thing is accept that it's okay to be troubled. You know that's how learning takes place, um, and and don't be, um, you know, uh, freaked out by by that. And it's probably happening to most other students in the class, but they're, uh, and they're probably feeling like you that you're, you're the only one. You you won't be the only one. So the, the first thing is um, recognize that. The other thing then is, is, is seek help. You know, if, if it's not coming together for you, um, then you know, don't be afraid to seek help. Now, I would say, you know, ask your tutor, um, uh, speak with them. If, you're, if you don't want to do that, because for the reasons we mentioned earlier, you don't want to know you're having difficulty, though I think you'll find that that won't be a problem at all. There are lots of other people who can help as well. But, Ask your peers as well. You know, how are you finding this? I'm finding this really difficult. And there's no threat in, t in speaking to them. And, and they will probably say, yeah, I'm, I'm finding this difficult as well. And what we found is that students um, are very often more willing to talk to their peers about things. And very often peers who have kind of got it can sometimes express this new way of thinking or bring it into view <laughs> sometimes uh, more clearly than teachers can because they speak the same language as students. And they say, well, I did it like this or it's just you know I think what they're saying is blah 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 oh right okay you know so do speak with others in that that uh, regard and, and, and seek help that that's what learning's about you know a couple of other things as well and we picked this up from David Perkins he said if a, if if a student's stuck um and not you know and, and these liminal states are where you get stuck 
then it, it very often helps to change the mode, you know, i.e. come at it a different way. Um, with threshold concepts, most students won't get it, you know, the first time they, they encounter it, or perhaps few of them will. So, it, and, and this is, um, you know, important for teachers to bear in mind as well, to, to design in a different mode so that, you know, they may have a lecture about it, then they may have some kind of workshop about it, they may have some kind of lab thing, they may watch a movie about it, they may have a group exercise. Bring it into view in different ways. Some students, you know, prefer to learn by talking things through with others. Mm. Others like visual information, you know, they want a useful diagrammatic representation. Well, provide that as well, yeah. Um, it depends what is being learned, but sometimes going on a placement, you know, or a field trip, you know, if it's geology, yeah, go on a field trip. Oh, okay, that's what that stuff looks like, right? You know, geologic time, that's a threshold concept. But when you see these landscapes, you think, oh, okay, yeah, then you start seeing how it comes about. So change, change the mode. You know, don't assume that if you don't get it one way, there's no other way to come at it. There's always a different way of doing it. And I think finally, um, the the student teachers themselves they have to play their part in tolerating uncertainty you know and and and, and very often you know teachers are learning to teachers because they've been successful in in their past otherwise they wouldn't be learning to be teachers but um their their earlier successes sometimes make them a little impatient oh, you know i thought i was good at this you know i'm i'm not you know i'm stupid you know be patient be patient um and be uh resilient um, and be hopeful as well. Um, you know, there, there's uh, increasing evidence that you know hopefulness helps people through these liminal spaces. Well, I, I will get there. I remember a student once we interviewed who had actually failed uh, a particular course, but she had a supportive tutor, and, and she took the reset, and she she passed it. And she said, um, "Next, I know this will happen again." She said, "I know I'll get stuck again, and I know I'll have that." Uh, feeling of frustration and stuckness, but she says, "But next time, I'll, I'll know I'll get through it because I'll hang in there." You know? And she said, "If I'd known that this first time, it would have been so much easier." And I thought, "Yeah, that's you've learned, that's probably the best thing you've learned here. That if you, you hang in, it, it will come to, together eventually." What some students do in, in an in attempt to try and get through this liminal phase—I mean, of course, they don't know they're in a liminal phase; they just know that <laughs> I'm stuck. Um, they don't need the. The terminology, but um, sometimes they produce what we call mimicry in a sense. They've, it's not that they're, they're cheating or plagiarizing; they're just thinking, "Is that is that it?" You know, and they will kind of cut and piece things together and present it. You know, is, you know, I've read a bit of that and that. It hasn't integrated for them; it hasn't come together yet. But they, they, you know, they're they're desperately trying to produce something that might not might please the uh, the, the tutor. So um, you know, there might be. A phase when they they resort to that, and that's fine as well because the mimicry sometimes can be the route to mm -hmm. things becoming clearer uh, as well. Mm -hmm. But there's no one easy solution. Try things, change the mode, but be patient. Tolerate this uncertainty. It's part of the deal of learning. You know. If people want to find out more about threshold concepts and liminality, where are some good places to look? Yes, well, um, there's one really good source. Um, a colleague of ours who works at University College London for all oh, the last 10 years or so um, has been uh, collating um, papers that have been written about threshold concepts, videos, conference proceedings, um, 
and, and the books that myself and Eric Meyer have written, we've written a, a series of books about this. But uh, he has this really uh, useful site at University College London where he has um, basically got an A to Z listing by subject area. And, and now there are uh, I think over 200 different subjects there. So, for example, if, if you would like to explore this further in relation to history or computing science um, or economics or health, whatever... If you just go to that A to Z listing and, and click on the appropriate letter, it will take you to whatever's written in, in that disciplinary area. And quite a few of these papers are, are downloadable straight from that site. Um, the, the, there's, there's a long URL, but if you go, just go on Google and if you type in Mick Flanagan, F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N, and Threshold Concept, it will take you to that, that URL. So Mick Flanagan, Threshold Concept. It will take you to that site. Click on that, and then the front page will come up, and you'll see down the, the right-hand side um, all the all the resources. It's a, it's a huge site. I think there are probably now about sixteen hundred papers on it, and uh, videos, theses, more more than you want to read in a lifetime about <laughs> um, uh, threshold concepts. But also the the first kind of seminal papers, as we call them, that, that um, Jan Meyer and myself, Meyer and Land did um, they're on there and under downloadable and uh, and also the the various um, edited books we've done on this are uh, linked from there as well